Well, thank you for this privilege of being with you once again. And I just want to say, before I even get started, I am so glad that God in his providence has brought uh, my friend Chad Miller to be your pastor. I believe Chad is perhaps uh, one of the sharpest, most creative pastors I know anywhere. And uh, I am so glad that uh, you have been blessed with each other here. So God bless you as you work together to serve him. Well, Chad has read for you uh, a wonderful passage of scripture. Uh, one that uh, some of you who had the advantage of going to Sunday school learned way back in Sunday school, the story of the three Hebrew children and that burning fiery furnace. But I want to use that to illustrate to you today uh, the great need in today's church in our time for real discipleship. Discipleship really means that you're all in for Jesus Christ. And that's what they displayed. And I want us to take a look at that, take a moment, and uh, give you some background. So where are we in history, in God's story, His story? I want to make sure that you understand exactly what's going on. The nation of Israel at this time had been divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. David had been the greatest of all kings. And then the wisdom of his son Solomon uh, had taken over the leadership of the country. But after the death of Solomon, uh, things got really rough. And uh, that's when the division came. And in the northern kingdom, they never really served God. They were constantly led by kings who took them away from God and into idol worship. To the point that the uh, aggressive world power at that time was Assyria. And Assyria, because they were so broken, so divided, and no longer had the protection of their God, eventually took them into captivity. Now you would think, because of that, their brothers and cousins down south would have looked at that and seen the great need to stay true to God, who had given them the land and had protected them. In fact, Deuteronomy had promised them if they went after other gods, if they served other gods, if they violated the covenant, that he would no longer protect them. But they didn't. They began the drift, and even though they did have a few good kings sprinkled in, Hezekiah, Josiah, they eventually went the way of their northern brothers, and they too just began to serve idols. They worshiped false gods to the point that they actually brought false gods into the temple. The temple that God had given them, they had made and dedicated to him, was the only place that they were to uh, you know, offer the, the sacrifices of the animals for their sins. And they brought in, instead of sacrifices to the one true God, idols. And they found their place there. Well, by this time, Assyria had been taken over by the baddest of them all, the Babylonian Empire. And at this particular time, it was led by King Nebuchadnezzar. And seeing what had happened there, they eventually went in, surrounded Jerusalem, 
and they took them captive. They took the very best of them and carried them back to Babylon. Four of those young men that showed great promise and they wanted to train and to use were Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they took them back to Babylon. Now, if you will look at that map sometimes, and you know, I'm sorry, you have Chad, who is perhaps one of the most technologically advanced people I know. And he just gives you so many different ways to see this. Having Chad is like having the latest iPhone 11. Having me is like having that rotary phone we had on the wall in the kitchen that was the only one in the house. That's me. But we get our message from the same place. But he just presents it in such a way that you understand it. You're going to have to use your imagination. But you have the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. If you were to draw a line from Jerusalem straight east and go through Jordan and come into present day Iraq, which was the Babylonian Empire, if you would draw that line straight and once you got almost through Babylon, if you were to go north a ways, you'd come to the great capital city of Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar's palace was, where he had taken these four young men. Right outside on the plain of Dura is where he had set up this great golden statue that people were going to worship. So that's where he has them. And he wanted to use these young men for himself. But first he realized he had to assimilate them into the Babylonian culture. That's an interesting word, assimilate. What that means is he wanted to rid them of their Jewishness, if you will. Forget the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were given new names. They were given training in all the Babylonian ways and customs and culture. They wanted to use these really bright young men for the benefit of the Babylonian Empire. So we come to our story. We have these three young men. They've been given great favor. They have been promoted. They're over many things in the kingdom. And now comes the time where Nebuchadnezzar, who was quite a, you know, an egotist, uh, he had built this huge statue. You know, it, it, it's, it's like 90 feet high, nine feet wide, solid gold, amazing thing. And everybody was to come and to fall down and worship this. What a story. And we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those men who had been given great favor with the king had flourished, but they had remained faithful to God. They were still good disciples of the one true God. They knew they didn't belong to this world. This Babylonian culture, they belonged to God. And they did something that we're all supposed to do. They remembered who they were. You know, when I was a little boy, I would spend all of my summers living on my grandparents' farm in eastern North Carolina. And I remember my granddaddy would tell me whenever we were going to go out in public, especially if we got to do social things like softball games. Ooh, man, that was a big, t big thing out in the country. Softball games or ice cream socials or something, the last thing my granddaddy would tell me before we left the house, he would look at me and I can still see him. He said, now, son, 
remember who you are. You're a mullen. Now you act like one. Oh, what was he saying? Don't bring shame on our family name. That's really all we've got. You know, remember who you are. Act like you should act. Well, that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had done. They remembered who they were. They were children of the Most High God. They never forgot that. They continued to serve Him. They understood that God had made them. They understood what that New Testament verse says, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. We belong to God. He made us. How dare we say what we're going to do without consulting God when he made us himself. And so these three were now tested as their consecration. That's a good word, consecration. Uh, that means simply that they had been dedicated fully, wholly to God. Uh, and that's just the way we all should be, dedicated fully, wholly to God. They wanted to please God even if it meant their lives. I'm sure they had people saying, look, come on, guys, just fall down. You don't have to mean it. Just bow down. It'll be okay. God knows your heart. Don't do this. And they're like, no. How could we possibly do that and shame God by falling down and worshiping this idol? They were all in. They were all in. You know, they weren't like Ananias and Sapphira. Remember that story in the New Testament? Barnabas had sold uh, a piece of property and given it to the church because of all the great needs. And Ananias and Sapphira saw, you know, everybody was thinking that Barnabas was the greatest thing since, well, since bread. Uh, they didn't have ice cream, maybe. Since bread. And so they wanted some of that, too. So they sold a piece of property, but they kept part of it back. But they told the church. They gave it all. In other words, they lied to the Holy Spirit. You know, they held back, but not these three young men. Even though it would mean their death, they held nothing back. They were all in, all in, all in. That's what we're supposed to be, all in for Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is really about. Well, you say, Jim, that's a, a great, fascinating story, but Really, what does that have to do with us? Well, maybe everything. The Bible tells us in John chapter 15 that Jesus was in this world, but he was never of this world. That's what you and I are supposed to be. We're in this world, but we should not be of this world. The way they thought, their desires, their philosophies, the way they would talk to people, treat people, the world can always tell whether you're in lockstep with them or not. And these men, obviously, were not. You see, the world talks about individuality. Be your own person. And that's fine unless you're different than they are. <laughs> you know, everything is fine unless you want to be different. If you want to think different, talk different, you know, believe different than they do, they can't put up with that. You, know, you can be an individual as long as you're just like them. But the world's not going to put up with you very long if you are different than they are, especially when it lets them know that maybe they are not right. They will resent it, 
and they will resent you, just like they did Jesus. It's one of the reasons Jesus ended up on a cross. His words, his lifestyle, the things he did and said, they convicted people around him. They convicted his own people. They convicted the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests even. They were not living as they should live, and they knew it. And the life of Jesus brought conviction on them, and they didn't like that. And it's one of the reasons he ended up on a cross. You see, people in the world can put up with a whole lot of things, but tell them that they're living wrong, doing wrong, they can't put up with that. They can't put up with it. So Jesus tells us he's not of this world, but he is in this world. And that's the way we are to be. Because you see, Jesus was all in. He was all in. And he sends us into the world to be all in for him. I'm afraid that many times in the church, so we're, we don't do a good job of being all in for Jesus. We don't mind looking the, that way. We don't mind going to church. We don't mind doing some things. But man, there, there's a place where you have to stop, you know. Be reasonable here. Uh, look, Jesus knows you can't do this on your own. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. We can't build his kingdom, though, by being half in the world and half in the church. If we're going to do what God sent us here to do, we have to be all in. All in. You ever think about why the disciples ran on the night that Jesus was captured and put on trial? The Bible's not specific about it, but I think if we just take a look and read, we would have to come to the conclusion at that point in their relationship with Jesus Christ, they were not all in. You know, it was fun going around with Jesus. It was fun being associated with him. It was fun seeing these miracles and people thinking, you know, man, you are so fortunate. You get to be with Jesus all this time. They liked that part. But when it came to being captured and when it came to being beaten, when it came to looking death in the face, and no, they, they, they really weren't interested in that because, you see, unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, at that point in their lives, they were not all in for Jesus Christ. But that time did come. The time did come. In the New Testament, after Jesus had commissioned them and sent them out into the world, and the Holy Spirit had come upon them, they went for Jesus. You put them in prison, they'd sing. You know, you beat them and forbid them to preach, and they'd leave preaching. You put Paul in prison, he writes half the Bible while he's in prison. They were all in, all in for Jesus Christ. Something happened to them. They made that decision. They were going to be true disciples. They were all in for Jesus Christ. You know, we have a responsibility as Christians to make sure that we have a just and an equitable society because that's what God would do. That's what he wants for us. We need to stand for Jesus in our city, in our time, in our world, and we need to stand for the things that Jesus would stand for were here. We need to love people. We need to try to help people. We should be in the world, 
but not of the world. We should be the salt of the earth. People should see our life and be around us and want what we have. Just like if you get something that's a little too salty, it makes you want water. We should be salt and so salty that people want what we've got. They want God because of the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we treat them. We should have a good godly spirit. We should be trying to find out what does God think rather than worrying ourselves to death about what everybody else thinks. You will never please other people. I mean, can you not see this? Those of you who have the unfortunate opportunity, uh, as I do occasionally myself, quite frankly, to go on social media, you will find out it does not matter what you say. Half the people are going to be against it, and half the people are going to be for it. It doesn't matter. No matter what it is, there's some people that are just going to run you ragged because you said such a thing, and other people who think that's the best thing they've ever heard. You know, you will not please people. So we better be pleasing God and let people take care of themselves. That's what a disciple does. And to do that, we need to spend time with God. For many of us, I'm afraid that if we spent as much time in the Bible as we spent in social media, we would be teaching at Gordon Cronwell, not being students there or any other Bible institute. So don't get assimilated into the world and quit acting like Christians. Spend time with God. Don't be like those who just go to church on Sunday, but otherwise think, yell, act, argue, curse, everything else just like the world. No, I don't want to bow down. I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But sometimes it's difficult. And let me tell you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you'll never make it. You have to do that. Sometimes we give up because we can't do it. Let me be one of the ones telling you, you can't. But with the Holy Spirit, there's nothing you can't do. You can do anything God wants you to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that God has to help me. Satan, sometimes even well-meaning people, gather around us and say, Look, you, you don't be so vocal about this. Just be reasonable. You know, you don't have to really believe that stuff. Just, just do some things to fit in. You know, isn't it interesting? God called us to be peculiar. Not to fit in, to be, but to be called out of this world. That's what we're supposed to do. Don't tell people that they're wrong. You know, just, just fit in. You know, let me give you an illustration. My son makes movies. He worked with us at Billy Graham for a while in our television department. He makes movies. Um, some years ago, I was speaking in Houston. Uh, on one night, two nights later, I had to speak in uh, San Antonio. My son lives in Austin, Texas. So I called him up and I said, hey, I've got a night free. How about I come over, spend the night with you, and uh, we just have a little time together before I have to go down to San Antonio. He said, that'd be great, Dad. He said, look, I'm just finishing a movie. He said, and a couple of guys that are with me on the movie, 
we were going to go out to eat tomorrow night and go to a movie. Would you do that with us? And I said, well, sure. If I can be with you, that's fine. So I went. We went to the movie. We go out to eat. We're sitting there, and the two guys look across at me, and they say, uh, Luke, tell you we're gay? I said, you know, he failed to mention that. They said, you sure you want to eat with us? I said, I'm hungry. How about you? He said, you're going to eat with us? I said, yeah, if, unless you leave. He said, but I thought Luke said you were a preacher. I said, yeah. And you work with Billy Graham? Yeah. And you're going to eat with us? I said, sure. And he said, I don't understand. I said, well, why would I not eat with you? Because you choose to sin differently than I choose to sin. They're like, you sin? I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> Nearly every day. <laughs> you know? And they're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You think being gay is a sin? I said, oh, yeah. They said, why would you think that? I said, because it's what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. They said, but, but wait a minute. You think that being gay is a sin, but you're going to eat with us. You went to a movie with us. I said, well, of course. They said, I just don't get that. I said, I refer you back. Just because you sin differently than me, why should I not have anything to do with you? And one of them looked at me and he said, I'm going to have to think about this. And Luke said, hey, I told you so. He's not like your ordinary guy, you know. Now, to fast forward a few years, I went to see Luke. We, my wife and I went down to spend Thanksgiving. He picks me up at the airport. He said, Dad, remember a couple of years ago, those two guys we went out to eat with after the movie? I said, yeah. He said, well, I said something about you were coming, and they wanted to know, could we go out to eat again? We got some questions we'd just like to talk to him about. He said, absolutely. They said, don't you need to ask him? He said, nope, he'll be glad to. He would love to do that. So, I mean, why cut people off? Be there so you can tell them the truth. Because let me tell you what, you shall know the truth. The truth sets you free. That's what it's all about. Doing the things that Jesus would do were he here. <clears throat> Being all in for God. All in. God called us out of this world. But those people that we need to reach, they're in this world. And we need to minister to them. We are a special people. We are to love and show kindness and be forgiving and understanding and be the sweetest people on the face of the earth. But that never, never means that we are to compromise and that we are uh, to do things that are wrong or tell people it's okay to do things that are wrong. But just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it doesn't matter how many other people bow down to any false gold statue we shouldn't. We should be like Christ. Live out daily who he called you to be. And what he called you to do, be doing that. 
Don't bow down, no matter what people might say about you. We better be all in for Jesus Christ. You know why I'm a Christian today? I mean, I'm a wicked person. I'm a sinner. I'm unloving, unkind, unappreciative. But God changed me. He forgave my sins. They've been washed away, never to be remembered again. And I realize that I'm on my way to heaven. How can I do anything but what he asked me to do after everything he has done for me? You know that you're on your way to heaven today if you're a Christian because Jesus was all in for you. He was all in for you. Look at what he did for you. Perfect life, lied about, beaten, nailed to a cross, nail prints in his hand, death in a tomb, resurrected by God. He was all in for us. And he did all that and we didn't even want him. The Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. He didn't do it because we were so good. He did it in spite of the fact we were so bad. He was all in. He wanted us that bad. He came into his own, his own received him not, but in spite of that, in spite of the fact that we didn't receive him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. After all he's done for me, shame on me, shame on me, if I am not all in for him. Not all in for Jesus? How could I possibly be not all in for him? We need to be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednegoes of 2020. That's what the world needs to see. This confused, chaotic, messed up, hostile world needs to see some modern day Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednegoes who are all in for Jesus Christ. That's what they're waiting to see. And the question is, for you and for me and for everyone else that attends a church today, are you willing to be all in for Jesus? Are we willing to display New Testament discipleship by being all in? Is that what we are? If not, is it what we want to be? Because let me tell you what, the God of this Bible will help you to be just that. If you want to, you can be all in for Jesus. Will you? Will you? That's the question. Father, Thank you so much for loving us and for loving us when we were so unlovely, when we were so undeserving, not because we were so good, because we were so bad. And yet, you loved us, 
You suffered for us. You were beaten. You were nailed to a cross. All for us. All for us. God, help us to see that, to understand that. And may your Holy Spirit use that to help us today, right here in Charlotte, the places that we live, where we come to church, where we work, in our neighborhoods, to be all in for Jesus. And Lord, for every person that is sitting in this building today, if they are not already, help them. Encourage them. May your Holy Spirit work with them to have a deep desire to be all in for Jesus Christ. And then may your Holy Spirit enable them to do just that. And may we serve you and affect people around us by being all in for Jesus Christ. We ask that in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.